Good morning. Proverbs 30. The words of Agur, the son of Jake, the oracle, the man declares to Ithiel, to Ithiel and you call. Surely I am more stupid than any man, and I do not have the understanding of a man. Neither have I learned wisdom, nor do I have the knowledge of the Holy One, who has ascended into heaven and descended, who has gathered the wind in his fists. Who has wrapped the waters in his garment? Who has established all the ends of the earth? What is his name or his son's name? Surely you know. Every word of God is tested. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. Do not add to his words or he will reprove you and you will be proved a liar. Two things I ask of you. Do not refuse me before I die. Keep deception and lies far from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is my portion. That I not be fool and deny you and say, Who is the Lord? Or that I not be in a want and still. And profane the name of my God. Do not slander a slave to his master, or he will curse you and you will be found guilty. There is a kind of man who curses his father and does not bless his mother. There is a kind who is pure in his own eyes, yet is not washed from his filthiness. There is a kind of, oh, how lofty are his eyes, and his eyelids are raised in arrogance. There is a kind of man whose teeth are like swords, and his jaw teeth like knives. To devour the afflicted from the earth, and the needy from among men. The leech has two daughters. Give, give. There are three things that will not be satisfied, four that will not say enough. Sheol and the barren womb, earth that is never satisfied with water, and fire that never says enough. The eye that mocks a father and scorns a mother, the ravens of the valley will pick it out, and the young eagles will eat it. There are three things which are too wonderful for me. Four which I do not understand. The way of an eagle in the sky. The way of a serpent on a rock. The way of a ship in the middle of the sea. And the way of a man with a maid. This is the way of an adulterous woman. She eats and wipes her mouth and says, I have done no wrong. Under three things the earth quakes. And under four it cannot bear up. Under a slave when he becomes king, and a fool when he is satisfied with food. 
under an unloved woman when she gets a husband and a maid servant when she supplants her mistress. <clears throat> Four things are small on the earth, but they are exceedingly wise. The ants are not a strong people, but they prepare their food in the summer. The Sephanim are not mighty people, yet they make their houses in the rocks. The locusts have no king, yet all of them go out in ranks. The lizard you may grasp with the hands, yet it is in king's palaces. There are three things which are stately in their march, even four which are stately when they walk. The lion which is mighty among beasts and does not retreat before any. The strutting rooster, the male goat also, and a king when his army is with him. If you have been foolish in exalting yourself, or if you have plotted evil, put your hand on your mouth. For the churning of milk produces butter, and pressing the nose brings forth blood. So the churning of anger produces strife. Happy New Year. As we come in, as we celebrate the last day of 2023, as we continue to move into 2024, every day is a closer to our graduation to leave this earth, to leave our the bodies, and to move on into eternity. And every day is another day of service to Him and another year. So we celebrate the year that He's given us. We celebrate the year to come. While the world is in wazi-wazi-woo-woo, we as Christians are geared up to serve as light in a dark place. Our um, passage this morning is going to be in Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 6, 11 through 15. Uh, and by way of announcement, and you can tell your friends already, um, make your invitations now. We will have our Great Upstate Bible Challenge. At the, I believe it's the last Thursday of the month. It will be January 25th. Uh, our, the subject is going to be Matthew, the first five chapters in Matthew. One, two, three, four, five. Study those. The subjects are going to come out of them. So uh, for those that, like I said, if you want to invite somebody, tell them, tell them early so they can study those passages and then they can come uh, come prepared that night. It's not going to be nothing off the wall. Everything's going to come from the Bible. And like like before, we will we will take our discussions and everything from those first five chapters. Um, and there, so that's the next few moments will be devoted to sonic prayer, giving each one the opportunity of setting everything else aside and focusing upon the Lord Jesus Christ, on whose word we're about to study. Believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, ensure that you are filled with the Holy Spirit. Filling up the Holy Spirit is God's unhindered ministry and that he's able to do all that he was placed in our hearts to do. If you have any unconfessed sins, now is the time to name them quietly and privately to God the Father, who is faithful and just. Forgive us those sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If you're not a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, name your sins is not the issue. It is what you think of Christ. It is the second person of Godhead, the Lord Jesus Christ, who went to the cross to pay for our sins. And by believing and trusting in him, 
to do what we could not do for ourselves. That Jesus Christ, the Son of God, went to the cross. He died there on our behalf, taking our sins. Died and was buried. On three days later, he was, rose again. He ascended into heaven. He's at the right hand of the Father. And in this day, we are preparing as a church to leave the bounds of this earth to meet him in the, in the air and in the clouds. Amen. So we shall be forever with the Lord. So let's take these next few moments and I'll open us up in prayer. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you that you've given us another day. Thank you for the year that we're closing out and another year to come. No day, no day is guaranteed for none of us. We don't even know if we're going to see 2024. Because this could be the very day that we're, that we will hear that trumpet and leave the bounds of this earth to be united with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We pray to Heavenly Father that as we come into this new year, let our resolve be to serve Thee. To serve Thee every day that we are on this earth. Let us resolve, Heavenly Father, to walk righteously. Let us, in our meditation, know where we've been. Know where we've come from. Know where we are. And to recognize that there's still a journey ahead of us. We pray, Heavenly Father, for the service this morning. Open up our hearts to the study of your word. And these things we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Our opening hymn this morning will be Joy to the World. Joy to the World is a um, hymn that it's really, if you think about it, it's not really a Christmas hymn. It is a hymn looking forward to his coming to set up rulership upon this world. And uh, we are anticipation that when, um, and as we see the world coming more and more and moving quicker, as the Revelation says, that these things will soon take place. That means a rapid succession. But there is coming a time, and it's going to be a reality, that our Lord Jesus Christ, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the King of kings, who right now is sitting at the right hand of the Father. He's not sitting. He's not sitting on his throne. This is not the kingdom. But we are anticipating his coming. And when he does come, on that day, we will certainly sing joy to the world. So uh, let us stand.
Lord, we confess confess the name of the Lord, we are upholding the integrity of God. And when we fail to trust in God, we are making an accusation against the very integrity of God. Knowing God and knowing God is perfect and that his attributes are perfect and God is perfect in every way. We're saying we don't trust that. We, we can't trust God. So worry itself, when it becomes a controlling worry, it becomes a blaspheme against God because you are making a statement. We are making a statement. That we can't trust God. If God goes back on his promises. Even with that so great salvation. That whoever believes in him shall have eternal life. We stand to lose. We, we lose. We, we ourselves will lose a lot. If God it pulls a rug out from under us. But it is God who will lose the most. Because he will have discredited himself. God holds himself own self account to his own word. As we move into uh, the title of this sermon today is Faith and Patience. Faith and Patience. Both of them go very much together as we are in Hebrews chapter 6 verse 11. Now go ahead and read that to 15. And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence so as to realize the full assurance of the hope until the end. So that you will not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. For when God made the promise to Abraham, since he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself, saying, I will surely bless you. And will surely multiply you. And so having patiently waited, he obtained the promise. So we have here (coughs) the assurance of faith. And then we are given an example. Abraham being a hero of faith. I love Abraham. Because Abraham is not perfect. If you, when you read Abraham, matter of fact, when you read all the Patriarchs, you read Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You'll see our struggle with faith. I love Abraham because he's victorious at the end. More than Isaac and more than Jacob. And um, Joseph, you see, almost you, almost you see a perfection in, in Joseph. Almost. And Joseph, every time you see Joseph, he's right on the money. And if you want to be somebody, it's hard to imagine it being somebody like Joseph. But Abraham, you see, Abraham, Abraham would take a couple steps back. He would take a step forward. He would, he would, he would be a hero one moment. He would, he would, he would be a spiritual weenie in another moment. He would be crying to the Lord, wow, 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 wow. When another, and the same one would go out and battle and defeat kings. That's our spiritual life. It has its ups and downs. 
Don't beat yourself up when, when you get to a point when you want to serve the Lord so much and you want to follow Him and you find yourself stumbling. When you find yourself stumbling in sin, when you found yourself stumbling in this way or that way, don't beat yourself up so bad. Just remember Abraham because Abraham failed too. You pick yourself up, as my lovely wife would say, you pick yourself up, you brush yourself off. Our teacher says, rebound and keep moving. That's right. You, you recognize, you confess your sins to the Lord, and you press forward. You press forward. So Hebrews 6, 9-11 said, But beloved, we are convinced of better things concerning you, things that accompany salvation, though we are speaking in this way. And yes, as a pastor, so am I. My New Year's message to you, my New Year's message to myself, my New Year's message to my friends and to my family is don't quit. Wherever you are, don't quit. Don't give Satan the opportunity of foot in the door in your life. <clears throat> Satan wants you. Satan wants everyone in this room. He wants to discourage you. And he wants to... He wants to knock you back. He wants to say, he wants to tell you that it's the end. In any way that he could stop your productive service moving forward to, to the high ground to where you are going to to glorify God, he's going to do everything he can. I was thinking about this this morning. It crossed my mind. Because I was thinking about my, I was thinking about my stepfather this morning. If the Lord gave you, or not, well, if you went into a doctor's office and the doctor said, "Listen, <coughs> you've got, you've got only a month to live. You've got, you've got about a month to live. You got to get your stuff in order." And people have received that, um, that news. My stepfather had received that news. Doctor told me he had six months. Okay. Doctor said to him, you have six months at the most. Let me ask you a question. How many, how many months of service or how much time of service did my stepfather have on this earth as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ? How many? What? Doctor, doctor said you have five, six months to live. How much service, how, how long Sir, how much service did my father have on this earth? How much time did my stepfather have to serve? All his life. What's that? All his life. All his life. Well, both of these. Six months. Six months. As long as he continued for. And guess what? My father did that. My stepfather did that. He served, uh, he served six years on a six-month sentence. The Lord... The, there the, Satan will try to give you some disparaging news and say, well, it's all over. It's not all over until you take your last breath. What happens? You know, I, I, I thought it was also interesting. And my, father, my stepfather was faithful. I also thought it was interesting. <clears throat> On that last week, I mean, time is rolling down. Only a few days, the Lord is going to go to the cross. He knows that. He's entering into Jerusalem. And you'd think he would have no time for anything else. But two blind men sitting on the side of the road 
yelling out, Son of David, have mercy on us. He took time to minister to these two, restoring their eyes. He didn't say to them, listen, you know, I've got so much on my mind, I ain't got time for you. I'm getting ready to die. <clears throat> so, make this year a better year. Uh, look, do an after-action report on 23, and then press forward to 24. And I say, don't quit. And you don't have to ask, are we there yet? Children, do not ask the question, are we there yet? We are not on the bus yet. We are still, this life is boot camp. You take a look at your, your, uh, drill instructor on the, on your program there. This life is boot camp for eternity. Don't quit. Don't let anyone say to you that you're too old, that you need to retire, you need to take it easy. Don't let no doctor convince you that you know you're no longer useful. This is Satan's way of getting you to call it quits. Press forward and upwards. Better things are ahead, and it's not behind us. Better things are ahead. That's what we're pressing forward to. And don't be looking back at the good old days. The good old days is the days we got coming forward. So, ministering to the saints. Verse 10. For God is not unjust to forget your work and the love which you have shown toward his name. And having ministered and all and still ministering to the saints. What is ministry? Excuse me. Ministry is our service to the body of Christ. Do we have any members of the body of Christ in here? Everyone who has believed upon the Lord, name of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who received him as your personal Savior, you are a very special member of the body of Christ. Ministry is service is serving the body of Christ, the members who are within that. And so the while there are offices held within the church body, such as deacons and deaconesses, elders and others within the body that are ministers, like evangelism, we all where we all have an evangelism gift that we all have a responsibility to evangelize, we all have the responsibility to minister. The sad thing about today's church is they pawned everything off on deacons and pastors. Every one of us in this room can be ministered to as a part of the body of Christ, and we are ministers. We encourage others. We help others. We... Um, as much we have in ourselves a, a determination for us to reach that high ground. We have a determination. It should be, and I pray for you, <coughs> that you have an eagerness within your heart to reach that high ground of spiritual maturity. But you're not alone. You're not an island to yourself. And every, you guys, everything may be coming up good, and you may be... Good to go. I'm, I'm all right. My health is good. I'm, 
I've got a lot of money in my pocket. I'm, you know, my my car's not broke down. You have no, no complaints in life. Okay, good, great. But what are you doing with, with all the assets that you have? Because somebody over here may not. How much are you using the blessings that God is blessing you right now to help others and to minister to others? Um, some of you have got the gift of helps. And I admire what you do. Um, sometimes just a phone call or a text will lift the spirit of another. Just a, just a getting on the phone and say, hey, how you doing? A dropping off flowers to somebody's sick. I mean, whatever. I'm not telling you how to minister. But encouragement, it, we are to encourage each other. <coughs> We've got friends and family who are, um, who've got cancer. And they're, and, and they're carrying a heavy pack. Remember, it's not just the one, but it's both of them, the spouse. We are to continue to pray for their spiritual lives, to hold the line, to keep pressing, pressing forward. Because some, sometimes you're going to be tempted to wear out. To, and these are God's people. We are God's people. All of us. One body that we care for. So that's ministry. Matthew 25.40. Somebody give me Matthew 25.40. The king will answer and say to them, Truly I say to you, to the extent that you did not that you did it to one of those brothers of mine, even to the least of them, you did it to me. Okay. We serve we serve and this um well I won't get any eschatology on this, but nonetheless, those who are the saints those who are the only ones of God, those who have been redeemed, they're a part of God's people and we serve. So to serve his subjects, we are doing the king's business. We serve in loving, comforting, discipling, feeding, clothing, praying for, encouraging, and going the extra mile. So, Verse 11, Hebrews. And we desire that each one will show diligence so as to realize the full assurance of hope until the end. All right, give me my board there. You haven't tested this out, see if it works. Upside down, can you adjust that for me? (coughs) Mm, There you go. All right. Up right there. All right. Somebody give me a somebody give me a hand with that word. Spow. What we got? Is it spow? Spoo day. Spoo day. Oh, yeah, you're pretty close. Okay, you got 
And it's the same vision for myself and for my family, for my loved ones, that you have within your heart a, a hunger, a desire, a have to. To come to the point, I don't know where you are personally in your life, but come to the point that that if you're if you miss out a day of studying the Word of God without opening the Word of God, if you miss out a day or two days without praying, without or missing a ministry opportunity, that it bothers you. That it bothers you to have a indifference toward God. That your that your walk and you, and you're watching your walk and you're desiring your walk and you're not comfortable with your walk. You know you know that you're going forward, but you're eager to continue. My desire for each one of us is keep our eye on the target, to continue to press on with all diligence with all importance, with all motivation to keep pressing forward to the high ground of spiritual maturity. All the way to the end. To not give up. And this is what I said in the beginning. Don't give up. And listen, it don't matter how you feel. Because some days you just don't feel like you're in it. Right? Some days you're just... Well, maybe, maybe you're not... Maybe you're a little different than me. Maybe you're always up here. But there's times when, and I know better, there's times when sitting there, you'll get up on the morning and you say, and you just feel like you're just on a spiritual high. Amen. Hallelujah. And you can't wait to run into a brother and sister or even text somebody and say, it's a fine, it's a fine day in the Lord. And you're just excited to take on the world. And that might be a Monday. And then Tuesday rolls around and it's back to, oh. Why can't I feel like I did Monday? And you feel like you've gone like that. Don't let don't let your feelings dictate where you are in your spiritual life. All right, you just keep pressing forward, and you you set your habits on taking in God's word. You set your habits in prayer. You set your, um, and then let let your spiritual priorities come out of that, and keep pressing forward, ladies and gentlemen, to the high ground. My highest aspiration is to reach the fullness in Christ. And I pray for myself and for you that that aspiration and that motivation will go up and that diligence will go all the way up until we take our last breath. There's no prize for quitters. There's no... How bad would it be how bad would it be to, to know this, to be preached this, to, to have heard it from the pulpit? And I'm telling you, it's true. This is not something I made up. That there is a winner's circle. Ain't that right, Mom? I'm, I didn't teach this first. There is a winner's circle. There's a place that, well done, good and faithful servant. You've ran a good race. You've fought a good fight. Welcome aboard. You've been faithful in a few things. I will make you ruler over many. Here's your crown. 
Maybe a couple crowns. Here's your robe. I'm going to give you rulership. How sad would it be to get there and realize I had heard the doctrine and I dismissed it. Oh, you can be happy in heaven. Amen? But there's going to be some that's going to have greater rewards and decorations than others. Now, I think, on a personal note, I think of, I think this. Tim, you, you know I'm talking about here, and some of you may know what I'm talking about. I certainly know what I'm talking about. Every, every once in a while. And it's been a while now, but throughout my life, after I was a Marine for a while, I would run into somebody, some individual, and they would find, you know, we were in civilian clothes and all, and it, I would be wearing my cap, my Marine Corps cap or something. You know, yeah, I was a Marine. That, right there, that already gets me. I was a Marine. You know, I say, yeah, really, you know, and he goes, yeah, you have your Mara, and that's just, and, um, and I used to play around with these people because after a few, after a few sentences and the way the guy carried himself, I knew this wasn't. That I knew that he had joined at some point, but for some reason or other, he got washed out. He he didn't make it. He didn't. He got kicked out of the Marine Corps um, for whatever reason. I don't know what his history usually what his history was, but I'll start asking questions in a personal. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I was here. You know. Um, but after a while, I began to realize what these people were doing. They were the coulda, shoulda, wouldas. And they wanted to be a part of a club that they were not a part of. They tried. And they quit. They still bragged on carrying the title, but they really weren't. And, um, you know, they, they, they have, they have, you know, they wanted some type of connection. But as a Marine, you know, Tim, you know what I'm talking about. We realized real quick that they were quitters for whatever reason. And they regretted it. See, and I say that because, I see, that's just temporal life. In eternity. I don't know how long our regrets are going to be in eternity. But I don't want to be the coulda, shoulda, woulda in eternity. There's no do-overs. There's no coming back to trying it again, ladies and gentlemen. <clears throat> um, so there's no there's no prize for the quitters, no reward, no decorations, no participation medals. There is no reward for those who once demonstrated great zeal. At one point, you may have been real motivated, and you people, I say you people, this is family. And I see it with each one of us, the love for the Lord. And you're motivated. We talk, we talk, and we, um, I see there's a zeal in there, there's a motivation, a certain, certain, and we can lose that. Every one of us can lose that. And that should be a very, uh, be diligent not to. That's what the author is telling us not to do. And, um, to have once demonstrated that great zeal and to lose it. And as we read earlier in Hebrews chapter 6, once you've lost it, you may never get it back again. 
Let's uh, turn over to Genesis. Um, okay, I'm going to give you Genesis 49 or 47 9. Genesis 47 9. Time will bring each of us to a point, whether in this life or the one to come, where we are going to count the cost. And let me say that there's a cost for each one of us. There is a cost to live the spiritual life. You realize there's a cost to live the Christian way of life? There's not a cost to become a believer except the cost that Christ, the cross that Christ, uh, or the death, that was the cost for us, that Jesus died on the cross. But to live the spiritual life, there is a cross, there is a cost. It was Jesus who said that to be a disciple of mine, you must pick up your crosses and follow me. That don't sound like fun, folks. There is a cross. And you might say, I'm not going to do that. I can live my life. I can kick back. I can live the world, look like the world, act like the world. But there will be a cost. You will not lose your salvation. But you will lose those wonderful things. You will, leave, you will, if anything else, you will lose. You will live a life in vain. Living a life that was not worth, living a life that you didn't live up to, to a life that Christ died for you. Uh, go ahead, Grady. 40, this is Jacob. Uh, Jacob recognized the cost at the end of his life when he was talking to Pharaoh. And, um, you know, he had, Jacob had been brought to land with his sons in Egypt. He's talking to Pharaoh. And Pharaoh is asking Jacob um, about his life, a resume on his life. Go ahead there. Ready? So Jacob said to Pharaoh, The years of my sojourning are 130. Few and unpleasant have been the years of my life, nor have they attained the years that my fathers lived during the days of their sojourn. Okay. Um, well, give me Second Timothy 4, verse 7. When you're, when you're looking back on, on Jacob, when Jacob talked to Pharaoh, is he, is he motivated? Is he, is he in an up mood or a down mood? How, how's that feel? Jacob said, my years haven't been so long and they've been, they've been, they haven't been all that glorious. Is, he, is Jacob in a good mood or a bad mood on this? In a low one. He's in a low realm of his life. Now compare that with the attitude of Apostle Paul who knew that his life was about to expire. Go ahead, Wally Gunner. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. In the future there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness which the Lord the righteous judge will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Okay, Wally, is he motivated or is he demotivated? He's motivated. Huh? Motivated. 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 He's getting ready to die. Why Why isn't he... And and we got questions for... Uh, I posted online the questions and answers will go over Thursday night. So maybe still a little bit of thunder. But why is... Paul motivated when he's getting ready to die. He knows he's getting ready to get his head chopped off. How can he be motivated? His faith. His faith. He and he he has absolute assurity. He's ran a good race. 
and running a good race. Uh, we uh, used to be a runner. Do we have any other runner? Y'all do any running? I don't know if y'all. Okay, maybe nobody's done no runnings in there. But one of the happiest things I've seen was the finish line. We've I've gone, you know, whether it was marching or or I was on a run, and um, and turning the corner and I'm seeing the finish line. I'm almost there. I'm exhausted. I'm sweating from head to toe. I'm I'm exhausted. I've spent every bit of my energy, but I see the finish line. It's there. That's what Paul was saying. He was seeing the finish line. He was motivated. Now, there will be those in eternity looking back on life, and they're going to see failed opportunity. This was Jacob. He looked back, and he was seeing a failed opportunity. Failure to serve God. I've had, I think I mentioned before that I've had two dreams years ago that I had died. Anybody ever have a, a, a dream where they died and they're standing in heaven? You've had that? Um, I've, I've had those dreams and they were so vivid. I thought I did die and I was in heaven. You know the first thing that struck me? That I had nothing to show for a life that I should have lived for Christ. That day, that was a dream, but that day is coming for all of us, folks. That day is coming for all of us. Did I? And the question is, do I have I lived my life to its fullest potential, the life that Christ had had died for me? I think of uh, the you've seen the movie uh, Saved Private Ryan, and at the beginning you see um, Ryan. As an old man, he's he's at the gravesite, and then he goes through the story about his life, and and the sacrifice that was made to save his life by Captain Miller and that crew. Captain Miller uh, and Captain Miller grabbed him by the collar as he was dying, and he says, "Earn this, earn this." And so that's. And then at the end of the movie, Ryan says to his wife, he says, am I a good man? And basically what he was asking, did I live a life that was worthy of others dying for me? The question for each of us is, am I, if, uh, your personal, personal to yourself, am I living a life that is worthy of that one who died for me? Who screamed out in agony, Eloi, Eloi, Lama Sabachthani, why have you forsaken me? He was being forsaken because your sins and my sins were being being poured out upon him and judged. And you know what? People, Christians do not fail because Christianity is too hard. I'll say that again. They do not fail because Christianity is too hard. They didn't start running and say, oh man, this is not, this is too hard for me. I, I'm just going to quit. No. They have not tried it. I think it was Martin Lloyd Jones who said, um, it was not Christianity that failed. I'm paraphrasing this, but he had a beautiful line for it. It's not that Christianity failed. It's just that they failed to Live the Christian way of life. I'm, I butchered that completely, but it was a good line that I should have looked up upon my notes. But 
We don't fail because Christianity is hard. We don't even try it. The Lord has given us all the assets that we need and all the advantages to advance to the spiritual life, to be the spiritual winners that we can be. He wants us in that world circle. He wants because it glorifies Him. And where we get it wrong every time is we get the wrong idea of who and what God is. The first and greatest doctrine is knowing God. Somebody give me Philippians 3.13. Our first our first doctrine that we need to come to know in our hearts is the very character of God. And then, once we know who our God is, we have the motivational virtue to say, that's the one that I want to serve. Philippians 3.13. Go ahead, anybody. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way, and if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Good. We must know the objective. First of all, we must know who our God is. Then we must know the objective of the spiritual life. Why am I here? Why? And that's going to answer all kinds of other questions, including why am I suffering? Why do I have to go through this? Why am I challenged here? It's also going to give me motivation to Knowing God gives me the motivation to press forward to that higher ground, that upper ground. And like I said before, there is a cost to follow Christ, but there is also a cost not to follow Christ. Paul does not look behind. He doesn't look back even to his achievements. Everyone right here, remember, we have, remember we're still in Hebrews, and Hebrews, Hebrews is telling us to be, continue to be zealous, to 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 um, continue to be motivated, and with all diligence to press forward to that higher ground. There's going to be obstacles. There's going to be pressure. There's going to be struggles. But there's also going to be the distraction of prosperity. Both of them are. Both of them are obstacles that are going to lie in your way. You know how, you know, it's, it's sometimes it's harder to be prosperous. And I think everyone in this room is very prosperous compared to other people in the world. And it's very hard to, when everything's going right, to continue to press forward to the upper ground because you have a tendency to stop thinking that you're in the fight. 
you're in the green zone. It's a lot easier to go through. I think, I think, in my opinion, it might be easier when you're in the struggle to get that firm upper lip and, and keep pressing forward. Oh, God. See what I'm saying? You know, if you know, one you're you're going to have it. You're going to have a tendency to go lazy, and that's where we're coming to our next section. Do not get lazy, but be imitators of the faithful. Hebrews six twelve. So that you will not be sluggish. That you will be not be sluggish. All right, give me my board, son. All right, give me it. Any idea? No thrust. No. Who said no thrust? Me. Very good, hon. No thrust. And no thrust means pertaining to being sluggish or slow to become involved in some activity. Lazy. Lazy. We can become very spiritual lazy. Especially when everything's going right. Especially when we're on liberty. <laughs> uh, using a military term there. When we're, when, we're, when we're in the rear with the gear, the bullets aren't flying, everything's great, we're in, we're, we've got our feet kicked up. And that's it. Our flesh likes that. Listen. Our flesh will gravitate to what is comfortable. That's part of struggle between the flesh and the spirit. Your flesh don't like your flesh don't like pain. It don't like discomfort. Your flesh doesn't like the heat of the day or the cold at night. Your flesh wants to party. It wants to have its speed up. It wants to be entertained. It wants it. It wants you to. To make sure that it is as comfortable as it can be. But the spirit, spirit sometimes is going to take you through some days that the flesh don't want to go. Like in the garden when, when uh, Jesus said to the disciples, he said, he said that the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Okay, the spirit is will, willing, but the flesh is weak. And sometimes you're going to have to, flat, you're going to have to, Discipline yourself. I think it's Peter who talks. Oh no, it's Paul who tells Timothy about discipline. You're gonna to have to discipline your your body. You're gonna to have to make it your slave. You're gonna when you don't want to do. You understand that. I know you understand because you had the training. We now you're weird already. Go ahead and give me my clarification. You're weird already, but I'm gonna ask you a question. Did you always were you always motivated to get out there on the field and train? No. <laughs> really? Okay. Uh, you're, you're, uh, I was waiting for your crazy answer because I was, and, and while I, you know, I pick on you, but it was because I had the same way, you know, I'd, I'd get out on the field and I'd say, oh yeah, it's another fine training day. I love training. And I'd, I'd act, I'd act all stupid, but I didn't like any more than anybody else. Cause, you know, the flat, but you knew you had to do it, right? Yeah. Um, but, Individually, we have to 
when it comes to Bible study. And this here's the thing is once you once you kept do once you keep doing what you what you and I'm talking to you gentlemen here, and I'm talking to everybody, but you know, I'm directing to y'all. You, you guys listen up over here too. You may not like going to church at particular times, but I think you're all set. This is what we do. But same thing with your prayer life. Same thing with your studying the Word of God. It gets, you finally, you say, finally, you've just told your flesh, this is what I'm doing. I get up every morning at whatever time and I pray. I'm not telling you what, how, what, how to set your priorities. This is what I do every morning. Phil was telling me about a guy who, he knew that it didn't matter. Seven o'clock at night, he would be, even even they, they, the guys would be together, and the guy would dismiss himself at seven o'clock because that was his prayer time. He'd not miss his prayer time. He'd tell the guys, he says, "I'll be back in a little bit," and he'll disappear, and he'd come back because that was his prayer time. He would not miss it. He set a priority, and um, that's the way we are. We set the by. Our Bible study, our Bible reading, our meditation, whatever it is. I'm not, the pulpit is not a place for you to, to, for me to tell you how the Spirit will guide you. You guide how the Spirit, uh, sets up your, your, your spiritual habits. I'm a morning person. You might not be a morning person. Mom, you're a morning person. We do our best studies in the morning. Other people do it in the evening. You might, you might, Stop all. You might say Joseph had a good good thing where he prayed in the morning, in the noon, and in the evening. That might be a good thing. I'm not saying that's the right thing to do, but if, as the Spirit leads you, do it. All right. So no thrust. But the one thing that that spiritual priorities would do, it will take away, or it it will take away every excuse. You've set your priorities. And it will protect you from laziness. Because you stop one day and find an excuse. And we know this with Bible doctrine. You find this day I have an excuse not to listen to the word of God. Or not have a Bible study. Tomorrow will be another excuse. And the next day, next thing you know, you got a week. You haven't listened. Next month, you haven't listened. And next thing you know, you're, you are getting spiritually malnourished. Alright, let's move on. Um, so... Don't be a spiritual slacker. This is what this is talking about. The writer says, stop doing this. Stop being lazy. Instead, do this. So don't be a spiritual slacker, but follow the example of those who are growing in the faith. With each of our own personalities. Each of us have our own personalities. Each of us are... are um, When it says to be imitators, and um, let me see, that's going to bring us up to this. I tell you what, we're going to do. I've got quite a bit to yet to yet to cover. So, um, all right. Hebrews chapter six, verse twelve. So, you will not be sluggish.
but be imitators of those through faith and patience inherit the pro- inherit the promises. Stop right there. Who inherits the promises? Read that. Read the verse again. Just what it says here. Imitators who, of those who imitators of faith and patience. And that, that that's right. So we're going to imitate those who have a spiritual um, who have a spiritual walk. Are we seeing that one another importance of assembling together, ladies and gentlemen? Within the church, you have different levels of spiritual priority. You have different levels of of um, spiritual growth. Different levels. You have those that are new babies. John talks about this. You have babies in the faith. Young men. And you have people that are in the you know they're they're adolescents they're growing up they've got some doctrine under their belt they're growing up they're eager for the faith and you have the fathers you have the elders those people that I want to be around are those people who know that they've got a spiritual life and they are advancing forward in the, in the Christian way of life. Those are the people that I want to be around. <clears throat> Those are the people that they convict me, and they don't even have to say anything. That's what all, all I have. To, their spiritual life, and I remember talking to my my circle of friends, Mike uh, Mike Sullivan, um, Tim Foy, um, um, Steve. I didn't know Steve at that point uh, some years ago, but I could tell. When my spiritual life was slacking or it was in need, because just talking to them, I had a conviction. I had a conviction just being in contact with them over the phone. I I knew that I was I wasn't where I was supposed to be. I'd, I'd set aside my priorities because we don't want. There are those that we're going to hang around that we are mentoring or we are discipling. But there are those others that are discipling us. See what I'm saying, gentlemen? You, you don't, you don't always want to hang around your peers. What I mean is, you know, your buds, you know, you all got the same, you all at the same level. You want to be, you want to set your sights at somebody where I want to be, uh, somebody who's growing. That means also we have a responsibility. To learn the Word of God, to be growing in the Word of God, so that we can be the example of others, so that others can imitate us, not our personality. Now, I know you've got some charming personalities, but we're not here to imitate other personalities. We are imitate because while we have unique personalities, for us, my personality is mine. Don't try to be like me because I probably wouldn't like you. <laughs> Um, you got your unique personalities, but we all have a uniform system of faith. And when I learn, and when you learn to be faithful and to walk, you're demonstrating. First of all, you are actually being becoming imagers of Christ. And as a spiritual baby, and I'm looking at you, you're providing what it looks like to be a Christian. And 
You don't always know the people who's looking at you. You don't always know when somebody is, they know you're a Christian, and they're, they're, and you may not even know their names. I think when we get to heaven, we're going to meet people that say, I saw you. I knew you, and I watched you, and, and you were, you were such a godly lady. And, and it inspired me to, to want to know my God because I knew you were a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. The best thing that we can do is to show others Christ in our life by becoming more Christ-like. And so wait, So here it is, that the faith, faith comes through hearing, hearing the message of Christ. Um, let's, let's, start, uh, let's start with this word here. Give me my board. We've got just a few minutes left. Anybody? Mimetase. Okay, mimetase. Mimetase. Where do we get that word? And that word itself. Mimetase. Mimic. Very good. The word mimic. What does mimic mean, Amanda? Copy. Okay, yes, it's a copy. Go ahead, bring it back. It's a copy. It's a mimic. And um, it means one who imitates someone else. An imitator. Um, and those... So, well, once again, what, we, what are the things that we are imitating? First of all, faith. Um, pistis. To believe to the extent of complete trust and reliance. To believe in, to have confidence in, to have faith in, to trust, faith, and trust. We've had people tell us, we've had people who come in and, say, uh, and tell us, I wish I had your faith. Anybody heard that before? I wish I had your faith. Maybe we've said it to somebody else. I wish I wish I had that guy's faith over there. That guy was so faithful. Well, he's uh, and we hear it like they, they say it like, "Wow, that's a certain talent." This faith is not a talent. Faith is something that if we want it bad enough. We can have it. And again, how do I how do I achieve faith? Starts at the very beginning. First of all, we exhibit, we exhibit faith when we heard that Christ died for us on the cross. That whoever trusts and believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. We execute it right then. And then after the cross, after we have become believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, faith. It's getting into God's Word. It's taking a step. It's well, I go back to what Lewis Ferris Schaefer says. I bring this up from time to time. It's like a checker game. If you're playing checkers and somebody moves, eventually somebody on there is going to lose track. No move has been made for a little while and one of the guys said, it's your move. It's your move. The verse, faith is the insurance. Yeah, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Yeah, I knew it was in Hebrew. I faith way. is the assurance of things hoped for, yeah. the conviction of yeah. things not yes. seen. And, um, it, and it has to do with the trust outside of ourselves. And so, not everything that we learn is from the pulpit. Not everything that we learn is from the pulpit. 
Not everything that we learn is from the book. Now we, the pulpit is the place where we are equipped. And I'm not belittling the Word of God. I'm not belittling Bible doctrine. I'm not belittling nothing of that say. But a part of your equipping is going out and living the Christian way of life and modeling the Christian way of life. Showing others what being Christ-like is, is all about. Okay, now it's not just faith itself, but a lifestyle of faith. And also, what else do we have in here? I'm not going to put it up on the book. Uh, yeah, I'm going to put it up on the book because I need to pronounce it. Go ahead, son. I think I messed up. Let me try to get it. Yeah, you put a row, row. Yeah. P row, peel. <laughs> oh, I think I got there. A macro. Okay, macro. Very good. Through me. Okay, you got it. Put it together. Macro through me. Macro through me. Macrothermia. And it means to face, um, it means to, uh, a state of emotional calm in the face of provocation or misfortune and without complaint or irritation. Patience. Patience. A part of our, a part of our spiritual life that we demonstrate not only faith but our ability to wait upon God our faith faith comes to a point where where as Peter said that um, sanctify the Lord God in your heart and be ready to give an answer for the hope that's found in you I think this is part of uh, a part of this right here in the face that Things are falling apart around you. Circumstances in your life may have been turned upside down. And if you have not noticed that God is not a genie and that our we can pray and we can pray and we can pray and sometimes God will say yes to your prayers. Sometimes the Lord will say not that way, but I'm going to do it another way. And grant our desire. Sometimes the Lord will come right out and say, no. You're not going to get it. Like in Paul. He didn't, he didn't take that thorn away. Or the Lord can say, wait. Wait. Will you, will you wait upon the Lord? Will you, and going through the struggles. And other people are watching you through your trials, through your tribulation. They're watching how you, as a Christian, how you handle this situation. How do you handle this circumstances? It will mean more to them than you spouting all kinds of Bible doctrine to them or tell them this and tell them that. 
but they will see your faith on display. This is why assembling together is so important because you, in a church that is growing spiritually, there will be those there that will have a strong spiritual life. And you will see them go through things. You'll see them go through things in their life. And you will see them. One of my best friends going through all the trials and and for years. I know he's suffering. I know that he's in pain most of the time. But when you ask him how he's doing, he'll smile and say, doing good. Doing good. Why do people suffer? Sometimes it's just to demonstrate the faith in their life. To give us something to mimic about. And as I close out today, I've started out talking about my stepfather. And my stepfather suffered greatly. And he was in church. Just every time that he could get to church, he would be in church. Papa Wayne. They hip, he had to get his hip surgery. It was it was still deteriorating. You remember he'd be sitting in, he would sit in and, and and sometimes he would just move a little bit and you could hear that groan in the back. Oh And he was there. He was dedicated. Day after day after day. He did not lose. And you know, and I I had the blessing, thank you, Lord, of being with being with Papa Wayne. For those six years. Because he demonstrated to me. And I, 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 to this day I've got a feeling. That Pop was saying to me. I'm giving you a demonstration. Because you're going to have to go through this. And I'm going to show you how to go through this. And how to suffer well. Because he didn't complain. He didn't get mad at God. He served God all the way up until he could not serve God no more. And it was so it was so great to see him the night before he went off to be with the Lord. The night before. And I'd come in there and the cancer had already paralyzed him. He couldn't move. And you all know the story. I've told you the story of coming into his room. And at that point, he smiled. Pop had that twinkle in his eye. And he smiled, he was smiling ear to ear. He said, boy, you were a mess. And he had, and, um, and we talked. He asked me if I was going to do the, um, memorial. And I, that's when I chuckled. I said, yeah, if you want me to, yeah, I'll do it. And, um, so he goes, you know, and I started looking around. He goes, what are you looking for? I go, something right on, cause I know you're going to give me a list. <laughs> so he said the first thing he wanted would be have a, uh, he wanted a, is King James be in a prominent place? And, and okay, and we went on. And um, the next day, he he the next day he was gone. And you know, I say this because he that time the little dying grace. It was like the Lord saying, "Hey, Pop was giddy. He was excited. He was he was he was he was laughing. He was he knew that he was about to leave this earth." To, to go into the heavenly realm. He had ran the good race. He had fought the good fight. And now he's ready to go. 
Amen. All right, Thursday night, we'll finish up. Uh, it'll take me about 15 minutes, hopefully, 15, 20 minutes to finish up. Then we will go into our discussion mode and we'll cover our um, questions on there. I've left uh, on the website, you can go on, on there. I'll post the um, notes with the questions on there. You can look at them um, on there. So, anyway, we are going to close out this morning with Because He Lives. And um, then we'll stay standing for our closing prayer. Go ahead.
Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for us being yours. Thank you for all the assets that you've given us to grow and to reach that winter circle. I pray for all the diligence within our hearts and that diligence will come with abiding in thee. I pray, Heavenly Father, let us resolve, not as we make our resolutions for a new year, but each day to renew that resolution, to draw near to thee, to to abide in thee. Give us the hunger to grow. Give us the insight to see that high ground of spiritual maturity where our lives will be maximized for the glory of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ as well as the Father and of the Holy Spirit. I pray, Heavenly Father, that each day, if you give us another day, each day will be a day of service. If you give us another year, let it be 365 days of ministering and service, of growing in your word, and may there be much fruit within this church and out of it. We close this morning. We also pray for the other churches. We pray for New Spring, for Life Song, for Friendship, for Switzer, for um, Mom's Church as well, um, Mount Zion, another church. I pray for the pastors. I pray for powerful sermons, expository teaching from the pulpits that's going to enlighten and and that there will be a revival in our area and um, in our local area and that and there will be a strength in our communities because of the word of God. May you have that glory. And I pray, Heavenly Father, that for each of us, may we be ones that will, that others can mimic the spiritual life of faith and patience. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Now, to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to make you to stand in the presence of his glory, blameless and great joy, to the glory, to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory and majesty, dominion and authority before all time, now and forevermore. And all God's people said.